I hope you brought your Bible with you. Let's turn over to John chapter 14 today. I've never spent a whole message on this, but God impressed it on my mind this week and thinking about it. And I said, you know, this is something we really do need to address as a church, especially in the days in which we live. These are days of declension. These are days where things are going downhill. Things are unraveling, not only globally, but nationally as well. And uh, what can we expect and why are things the way they are? Well, God has given us clear answers in Scripture. And uh, by the way, you ought to be in your Bible every single day. And if possible, many times a day. Most of you have smartphones. That's what they call them anyway. Take those with you and um, use them with Scripture, having Scripture on there. Today we're going to be looking at the issue, actually answering the question, why was Jesus hated so much? Why was Jesus hated so much? In preparing this message, I realized that so much of what we are covering today is going to be found in the Gospel of John. Now that is significant because if there is any gospel that displays the grace of God and the love of God... And uh, you seeing that in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is the gospel of John. And yet the hatred of Jesus is seen so strongly in the gospel of John. And I'd say, how in the world, how does that work? I mean, Jesus, he is so wonderful. He's so loving. He's so gracious. And, and all the scriptures we're going to look at, by the way, uh, obviously confirm that. Why is it that there was such a hatred of Jesus? Well, the gospel of John is God's heaven track, and it freely offers, of course, salvation by grace through faith in Christ. And grace is the issue. And can I tell you, that's kind of a little bit of a, a preview here, a little bit of a, a sneak peek of a why there is such incredible hostility. Why is there so much hostility against Christianity? today. I understand there's hypocrisy among believers. You know, some people want to say, you know, they love to say, you Christians are hypocrites. Okay. Well, the truth of it is, so are you. Everybody is. And that's not, by the way, an excuse for Christians to live ungodly lives. We shouldn't be living wicked lives. But the truth of it is, Hypocrisy is everywhere, and hypocrisy is, is there in every faith, every belief system, if you want to call it that, that you can think of. You're going to find hypocrites to that. So that's not an excuse, but it is a fact. But it is interesting, isn't it? Now here is where things start parting. This is where Christianity starts really coming to the forefront. Why is there so much hostility against Christians? It seems that all religions today are tolerated except for Christianity. Have you noticed that? Humanism, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Hinduism with its transcendental meditation and yoga. You look all over St. Cloud, there's yoga studios popping up. Listen, yoga is inseparably linked to Hinduism. That's where it's from, okay? You really can't divorce those things because that's the roots of yoga is Hinduism. And there's no mistaking it. And anybody who's a Hindu will tell you that. 
No, it's the, we try to extract it. And you can even go to the doctor today and your doctor here in the United States of America found it on the word of God. They will tell you, well, you know what you should be doing? Maybe what you ought to be doing for some of your exercises, you ought to be doing yoga. And you'll hear it. It's like, no, sorry, I'm not going there with that. But all these things are tolerated. Native American spiritism is seen today. We also see Satanism and the occult. Satanism is embraced and is getting more and more popular as time goes on in America as a religion that is accepted. Okay, yeah, sure, no problem. If you want to have a black mass or, or you want to worship Satan, no problem. That's just one of many religions. But be sure if you're in the military, be sure that you warn the chaplains Don't get too vocal about Jesus Christ and Christianity. Now, why is that? Why is it that our schools will have rooms set aside for places for Muslims to pray? Try that for Christians. But separation of church and state, separation of church and state. Isn't it interesting how all this works? You see, Christianity is oftentimes the only one forbidden and also ridiculed. You ridicule one of the other religions today, it'll be all over the news. You're a bad person. You need to be canceled. You criticize Christianity today? Hey, how many people want to jump on your bandwagon? Don't you think that's interesting? Why is there so much hostility? Well, let me tell it to you in one simple phrase, and we'll expand on this. There is so much hostility towards Christianity today because it is the truth. There it is, because it is the truth. I want to give you seven principles having to do with this today, or seven truths. The first is this. Why was Jesus hated so much? Well, number one, because of the exclusive claims of Jesus Christ. Because of the exclusive claims of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Messiah, the promised Messiah. He is the only savior that there is. He is the only way to heaven. And I can remember Larry King interviewing people and wanting figure, and he's going to get them on a hot seat. And so he'd get pastors on a, there and he'd say, so you are telling, in other words, or are you saying that if a person doesn't accept or believe in Jesus Christ as the savior, then regardless of what religion it is, that that person will end up in hell. You know, that's uh, your national TV and all this kind of stuff. Well, the short answer is yes. Yes. It isn't because of something we've invented, though. It's something that Jesus proclaimed. Do we understand that, folks? And this is why there's so much hatred because of the exclusive claims of Jesus Christ. Here in John chapter 14, a profound, staggering life-altering statement is made by Jesus in John 14, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Four absolutes in verse 6. I am the way. There's no other way. I am the truth. He's the only truth, the only way. I am the life. In him only is found eternal life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. There are not many roads leading to heaven. There's only one 
way to heaven. And it is through what Christ did on the cross as the payment for our sin and his resurrection. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, people want to scream, you're intolerant, you're intolerant. No, 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 friend. You're the ones who are intolerant. I will love you whether you embrace that message or not. I will love you whether you agree with me or not. As a matter of fact, I will love you even if you persecute me. That is what Jesus taught me to do. That's toleration. You're free to believe what you want, and I will not persecute you or attack you or try to cancel you because you disagree with me. We live in America. There's supposed to be freedom of religion. That means you can believe what you want. By the way, believing what you want doesn't necessarily mean you're right, but you have the freedom to believe what you want without fear of persecution. At least that's the way it's supposed to be. But why was Jesus hated so much? Well, number one, because of his exclusive claims about salvation. This in itself, if we didn't have anything else this morning, but number one, that in itself will produce conflict. Understand this. Imagine a group of leaders of different faith groups. I'll call them faith groups. Imagine a group of leaders of different faith groups on a stage. So here you've got maybe 20, 30, 40 different leaders of different faith groups. And then one of them is standing there and he says this, I want all of you to please leave the stage because this is reserved for me only. Go sit down. Can you imagine the outrage of something like that? The name calling that would go on? The hostility towards that person who would say such a thing? Imagine the outrage, but here's the fact. It is the truth when it comes to Jesus. He's the only one who has a right to be standing. Oh, listen, I know that gets people mad, upset, and furious, and they want to attack. Why? Well, I think this unfolds as we go through these other reasons. Why was Jesus hated so much? Number one, because of the exclusive claims of Jesus Christ. It certainly wasn't the way he lived. It certainly wasn't the way he cared for people. It certainly wasn't the fact that he provided food for thousands of people. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He loved people. He forgave people. He was kind to people. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Look at it. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is only Jesus Christ who can save. You know what that means? That means Islam cannot, Buddhism, Buddhism cannot, Hinduism cannot, Satanism cannot, all the other religions that are adding things, I'll get more to that in just a minute, cannot. Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross is the only thing that can get you to heaven. There's no other way. Jesus said in John 8, 24, by the way, he was talking to Jewish people. And I love the Jews and our church loves the Jews, by the way. We are pro-Israel 100%. Okay, the church has not replaced Israel. Israel is unique. Israel is the apple of God's eye. Today, the church is made up of Jew and Gentile, but God is not through with the Jew. And once the church is taken out of the world, God is going to be dealing directly again with the Jewish nation. And the future, folks, is very Jewish. So get used to it. 
By the way, Jesus was a Jew. And what's he say in John chapter 8, verse 24? He's speaking to them. He's, and by the way, we're going to spend a little bit more time in John chapter 8. But the talk and the conversation is getting very heated in John chapter 8. And Jesus said to these Jewish leaders, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am, literally, the he is italicized there, unless you believe that I am, ye shall die in your sins. They knew exactly what he was saying. They knew he was quoting Exodus. I am that I am hath sent thee. They knew he was claiming to be God, to be equal with God. This was the thing that got them so mad. They saw it as blasphemy. Listen, it would be blasphemy if it wasn't true. Do we understand that? But it wasn't blasphemy because it is true. This is such incredible boldness. This is the, mo- this is the most bold thing that could be ever proclaimed by someone. I am the way. I am he. I and the Father are one. You have people today who say, well, I don't believe Jesus is God, but he was a good man and he was a good teacher. I'll give you that. He was a good man and he was a good teacher. Friend, I got news for you. He cannot be a good man or a good teacher and not be who he said he was. He claimed to be God. He claimed to be one with the Father. And if he wasn't, he would be a liar. Therefore, he's not a good man and he's not a good teacher. He's a false teacher and he's a liar. You can't have it both ways. You might say, well, that makes people uncomfortable. I understand that. And it made people uncomfortable when he was here. And it makes people uncomfortable today. Why? Because truth never changes. That's why. Go with me to John chapter 10. This is so important to understand. John chapter 10, in verse 7, it says, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Now watch this. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Look at that. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. I'm the way in. Everybody else is a thief and a robber. See, folks, this is why Jesus was hated so much. The exclusive claims that he made. Let's move on to a second one. Because there is only one plan of salvation, and it is by grace and not by works. There's only one plan of salvation, and it is by grace and not of works. Listen very carefully to this point today. Turn with me outside of John. Turn with me over to the book of Galatians, chapter 1. See, these are not days for us to retreat. These are days for us to step up to the plate. We are coming to the end of the age. Jesus is coming back soon at the rapture of the church. We only have so much time left, folks. Let us go out. Let us go up with boldness. Not hiding someplace with our tail between our legs, so to speak. Yes, we need to be loving. We need to be kind. But we need to be bold in the truth and uncompromising with that. There's only one plan of salvation, and it is by grace and not works. Galatians 1, 6, Paul said, now the context, he's writing to a group of churches in a region called Galatia. 
We call it Asia Minor. That's what they call it back then. And he had gone and he had led a lot of people to Christ through his message of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Well, he'd only spend so much time. And so as he spent time in this city, led people to Christ, he moved to another city. On his tail were the wolves, the false teachers, the Judaizers who were mixing good works in with grace saying, no, you also have to have, you also have to have good works if you want to go to heaven. You're not saved just by grace through faith in Christ. You also have to have good works. They're not saying Jesus is not necessary. They were saying Jesus is not enough. Faith in Christ is not enough. And so the Galatians were being influenced and they were being drawn away from this message of grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. And Paul writes to them and he says in verse six, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him who called or that called you into the grace of Christ. That's the truth. God is the one who called them there. Okay. Into the grace of Christ unto another Gospel, a different gospel, a different kind of gospel. Verse seven, which is not another. In other words, not one of the, not one of the same that you believed. It's a different gospel that you that you're being influenced by. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert, twist, distort. That's what the word pervert means. To flip, to make it of the opposite character. And would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed under the wrath of God. This is how serious this is. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Accursed. What gospel? What are you talking about? Here it is. Jesus is God, God in the flesh. Jesus is God who came to earth. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day to prove it was done. All we can do to be saved is to believe in him that what he did on the cross, he did it for us. And when you believe in him, he gives you everlasting life. When you believe in him, you're trusting in him to save you and give you everlasting life, okay? It's based on what he did. It's not based on what you did. It's based on his faithfulness. It's not based on your faithfulness. It's based on his finished work. It's not based on you adding to his work. It's all of what he did. It's none of what we do. That's the gospel message. That's what the gospel, the true gospel of grace is saying. Now, here we go. Why is Jesus hated so much? Because there's only one plan of salvation and it is by God's grace and not by works. See, grace by its very nature is unmerited. It is undeserved. If you can do something to earn or qualify by your works, then it's not based on grace, it's based on merit. That's not the gospel. All religions, all religions, and I don't consider true Christianity a religion, 
All religions have some element of good works in them. Even much of what is called Christianity today is a counterfeit religion. It is mixing the crosswork of Christ with our faithfulness. That is a grace plus works message that does not save. It does not save. There's only one gospel. Most churches are preaching a Christ plus works message. Even churches that say we believe salvation's all by the grace of God, they define it differently. They see it differently. And they'll add to faith alone and Christ alone, thinking that they're preaching the gospel and it's a false gospel. Look with me to Romans chapter four and verse five. You know, I've honestly, I'm limiting verses today. I could give you so many, but we would be here a long time today which I wouldn't mind, but maybe somebody would. Uh, Romans 4, verse 5, it says, But to him that worketh not, you don't do any works. Now, we're not against good works, except if you're trusting in them to get you to heaven. God wants Christians to live a life of good works, but that is not the basis of what gets you to heaven. Here's how you're saved. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him. Christ, that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. God doesn't count works for righteousness. He only counts faith in Christ for righteousness. This is the gospel. This is the truth. This is what makes up the true gospel of the grace of God. Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse 47, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath possesses that moment, everlasting life. What must you do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved, Acts 16, 31. When you believe, the very moment you believe, you receive everlasting life. How long does it last? It's everlasting. That means your salvation lasts forever. If you could do something to lose it, it would not be everlasting life. But see, if you can do something to lose it, that means you're doing things to keep it. And that is works for salvation. That is not salvation by grace. Now, when you stand on this message, you get persecuted for it. And you get all kinds. And by the way, the Apostle Paul was also accused of preaching Oh, you just believe in Jesus, then go out and live any way you you please. And you're telling people, go ahead, live a sinful life. It doesn't matter. No, friend, it doesn't matter as far as where you're going when you die, but it does matter as far as how your life goes and how you're going to be rewarded or not rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ, which takes place in heaven. And he was accused of that, by the way. But you know what Paul says? He says, listen, if I preach circumcision, which is a work, by the way, linked to Judaism. If I preach circumcision, why am I persecuted? Then the offense of the cross would cease. See, the offense of the cross is that Jesus did it all and he's the only way you're getting there and you can't earn it or contribute to it. That's the offense of the cross. And that's offensive to people and people get mad at that because it's a blow to their ego, which will talk about in just a few minutes here. Let me give you a third reason, a third reason why there's so much hostility or hatred towards Jesus in Christianity. Number three is this, because Jesus exposed man's wickedness. 
Jesus exposed man's wickedness. See, light exposes that which is hidden, right? Light exposes that which is done in the dark. Years ago, I used to do pest control in Florida. Florida's got a lot of pests. We don't have a lot of roaches up here in Minnesota, but Florida's got a lot of roaches. And if you don't have pest control of some kind or another, they will take over your house in time. And church, not churches, well, churches too, I guess, who have roach, a roach problem, okay? See, let's say you have a roach problem in your house. I know this is gross to some people, but bear with me. Let's say you have a roach problem in your house and you say, well, I I never see any. Well, I hardly ever see any. Okay, here's what you do. Get up in the middle of the night and flick on your light in the kitchen. And if you've got a problem, you'll probably see them. And they're not going to get on their hind legs and go, hi. What they're going to do is go as fast as they can and find a dark place to hide. The sinfulness of man wants to hide. And when the light of Jesus Christ shows up, it exposes that which is in the dark. Look back to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 19. It says, and this is the condemnation. John chapter 3, in verse 19, Jesus is speaking. He says, and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Listen, the hatred for Christianity and Jesus Christ is increasing today because the, the sinfulness of man is increasing today. Where there's more wickedness, there will be more hatred for Jesus Christ. I'm not saying there aren't exceptions in people, okay? And I'm not saying there aren't people who are seeking for the truth. They are, okay? They're responding to the drawing of the Holy Spirit. And that's a whole nother message. But here's the point, folks. There are people who are wicked today. They are wicked. They love their sin. That is where they live and they love to promote it, and they're very arrogant about it, and they're in your face about it. And we see more and more of this in our society. They even have parades parading themselves in their perversion. You bring Jesus into the picture. If they're not ready to put their faith in him, they are going to be very hateful and angry about that. And I know I'm generalizing, But do you see what I'm saying? Why is it? Because men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. There are wicked people in the world. How do you figure outside of a misunderstanding of Jesus Christ? And there is that, there is that. There is an element in our society that literally hates Jesus Christ. And it is irrational except for the fact that this is a spiritual issue, not a social issue. Nobody has done more good for mankind than Christians have. That is a fact of history. So why is there so much hostility? Verse 20, for everyone that doeth evil, look at the next word, hateth the light. Do you see it? Hates the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. This is what God says. Don't say, well, I don't know if I really believe that. You better believe it. God knows the heart of man. This is what he says about man. So the third reason is Jesus exposes man's 
wickedness. You're in chapter 3, go to chapter 7. John chapter 7. He says in verse 7, The world cannot hate you, but it hateth me. It hates me. What has he done wrong? Nothing. He never said anything wrong. He never did a wrong thing. Jesus was perfect in the way he lived his life. Even Pilate says, I find no fault in him. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth because I testify of it that its works thereof are evil. I testify that sin is sin and the world hates me because of it. See folks, when you talk about the sins that we see so prevalent in our society today, the alternate lifestyles, uh, immorality, fornication, and all these things that we see, the the abuse of children and, and all the unbelievable things that we see in society, even abortion, we stand and we stand against it. Okay, why? Because that's what God says. You end up getting hated because of it. It isn't you. It's the message. It's the conviction that is going on. Number four, let me give you another reason. Because Jesus exposed man's pride. And this is a big one that we see in the life of Christ. The ones who hated Jesus the most were the most religious people of the day. Do we understand that? Read the gospels, you'll see it. And it is the same today. The ones who hate the gospel of grace the most are the religious people of the day. They're the ones who hate this message that we have. They're the ones who will attack. Ones who even say they believe, just like we do, will attack us. And they'll say, you know what, you people, I don't know what you're saying, but there's something not right with what you're saying. The only reason you don't think it's right, my friend, is because you're not getting your theology from this. You're getting your theology from study Bibles, from commentaries, from guys on the internet, and not here. I've done nothing but share Bible truth, and yet we'll be attacked, and that's okay. I'm just telling you this is why. The ones who hate the gospel of grace the most are the most religious. So you have legalism, people who believe in works for salvation. We come along and say, you're not saved by your good works. You can't earn your way. You try to go to heaven by your good works, and people get all upset. You can't be saved by your good works. They get mad. Well, you've been going to that church and you've been doing these practices of that religion for all these years. And you know what? You're not going to heaven by those. If you're Catholic, you're not going to heaven on the sacraments. If you're Lutheran, you're not going to heaven on the ordinances. You're not going there by your good works, by your faithfulness, by you teaching Sunday school, by going to church, by being water baptized, by trying to keep the Ten Commandments. You're not going to heaven that way. Those are the people who will attack the most. Why? Because it's anti-Jesus Christ, their position. Lordship salvation, same thing. You're in John uh, chapter 7, verse 7. Jump down to verse 19. Watch this. I mean, this is amazing. Jesus says, did not Moses give you the law and yet none of you keep the law? Look at the next thing that's said. Why go ye about to kill me? These things are inseparably linked. You hate what we stand for? You say you have to turn from all your sins to go to heaven? Have you turned from all your sins? Boy, I'll tell you what, you've just lit somebody up. They're going to be mad. Preachers, you'll say that. I love to ask a preacher. You should ask me to preacher who says, you got to turn from all your sins to be saved. Pastor, have you turned from all your sins? He knows he hasn't. Well, then I guess you're not saved. 
See, folks, this is the truth. Ephesians 2 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. You're saved by grace through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Let me give you a fifth reason. Because Satan, the God of this world, hates Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, don't come up to me and say afterwards, well, that point number five, it says, because Satan, the God of this world. Pastor, shouldn't that be little g? Are you ready for this? The software we're using to project will not let us put a little g in there. I don't know why, it just won't. It's one of those funny things. You think you could put any word you want in there, right? It won't let us put the little, that's why it's a big G. It shouldn't be a big G. The Bible says he's the little G God. There's only one big God, Jesus. Because Satan, the God of this world, hates Jesus Christ. Satan hates the grace of God. He also hates the truth of God. We are saved by grace, and grace is the opposite of pride. It's not of works, lest any man should. Boast. Boasting is pride. It's why you can't earn your way to heaven. And Satan hates it. The first sin was the sin of pride, and Satan was the one who committed it. I will be like the Most High. I will be like God. Anybody who thinks they can earn their way to heaven, to some extent, somewhere in their system, they think they can be like God. Now, they may have never even thought that, but that is in their flesh. See, all sin stems from this. Christianity is anti-pride. Christianity is anti-pride. We get to heaven by faith in Christ. We live the Christian life by faith in Christ. It's not of us, it's of him. We look to him to provide for us. You're in John chapter one. Look at John chapter one. It says in verse 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten father, full of grace and truth. Now, when it says that, it doesn't mean Jesus was 50% grace and 50% truth. He's 100% of those, both of those. Verse 17, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Pride is linked to what man thinks he can accomplish. True Christianity says this, you are helpless and only Jesus Christ can help you. You are helpless and only Jesus Christ can help you. Friend, you can't be saved until you understand you're helpless to save yourself. Because you, you can't, you don't, can't understand grace until then. As long as you think you can do something to earn it, God will not save you. Number six, why is there so much hatred and hostility towards Christ and Christianity? Number six, because man rejects what the Bible says. Therefore, he wants to do away with the truth of God. See, the Bible is our judge. The Bible will judge us when we stand before the Lord. You're in John. Turn with me to chapter 8. Boy, I'll tell you what. This is fever pitch in John chapter 8. Jesus dealing with the teachers of his day, the religious teachers. John eight thirty six. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free... You shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me. Watch this. Because my word hath no place in you. You want to kill me because God's, my word is not welcome in you. 
People want to attack Christianity because God's word is not welcome in their life. They don't want what God says. Verse 38, I speak that which I've seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. They answered and said, Abraham is our father. So you see the pride here? Abraham is our father. See, they think they're getting to heaven on their genealogies, on their heritage. They answered and said, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto him, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth. There you go. Man rejects what the Bible says. That's why he hates the truth. You seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Now, if you don't understand what they're saying, this was something Jesus dealt with his entire ministry. People rejecting the virgin birth, believing he was born out of fornication, therefore not believing he's God and not accepting his person, the perfect son of God. This is what they're saying. They're insulting. Jesus saith unto him, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I out of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You've closed your ears off is what he's saying. Verse 44, ye, look at this. Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinces or convicts me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? What a question. They couldn't answer. So what do they do? Just like today, they get mad. They got madder and madder and madder. Just like today, verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, thou art not yet 50 years old and has thou seen Abraham? Jesus keeps turning it up. Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you before Abraham was, I am. Whoa, they knew exactly what he was saying. How do I know that? Verse 59. See, what they should have done is this. You're right, Jesus. We trust you as our Messiah. You are the son of God. But you see, folks, because man rejects the Bible and what it says, there's a hostility and hatred towards our faith. Verse 59, then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple going through in the midst of them and so passed by. So pass by. Let's look at our last point today. And it is this. And it's kind of like a summary and an application of what we've seen. Don't be surprised if the world and even the religious hate you and what you stand for. Don't be surprised at that. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. You know those family gatherings where everything goes good. Everybody's getting along with everybody, you know. 
And everything's fine until you open your mouth and you share the gospel with somebody. And all of a sudden, the storm clouds gather and the tension is in the air like it's going to explode. Why? Because there is a spiritual war going on and you just woke up the devil and he's saying, you know what? I'm not going to put up with this. And there's a conflict now. It's going to happen. Don't be surprised. Look at John chapter 15 and verse 18. Jesus said, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. There it is. You can be all that you should be as a Christian. You could say everything the right way. You can be kind. You can be loving. You can be thoughtful. You can be caring. And all of that's great. By the way, how about the workplace? They can talk about all the dirty movies and filth and stuff and people they want and everybody's laughing and having a good time and all of that. You open your mouth and you share the gospel with them. Now listen, there may be somebody who will trust Christ. There may be, praise God, because remember, God is still drawing. But here's the truth. A lot of people, there's going to be a hostility there. Know it. It's part of the package of discipleship. Let's go to John chapter 1. We'll close there. Maybe you're here today and you've said, yeah, you know what? I've felt that way about Christians and I really didn't plan on coming today, but you've given me something to think about. Well, friend, let me tell you something. Here's the best thing to think about. God loves you. He loves you so much. God, the son left heaven to come to earth, live a perfect life. And when he went to the cross of Calvary, when he died on the cross, he did not die there by accident. He did not die because of the angry mob. He did not die because the Romans did the work. No, he died on purpose of himself. He said he laid down his life on his own and he died there in your place to pay for your sin so you don't have to. Come here. You and me, here's our sin. We're all sinners. To get to heaven, you have to be sinless, and we are not. Sin separates us from God. We're sinners. This sin has to be gone to get to heaven. God says our sin has to be paid for. If we do it, we'd spend forever separated from God in hell. A literal hell. Hell is real. God doesn't want that for anybody. Now, again, people think your good works will pay for your sin. No, death is the only payment. The wages of sin is death. Because there's nothing we could do to save ourselves. And God so loving us. He came into the world and went to the cross. And when he died on the cross, he's sinless, but he came, he took our sin and he paid for our sin in our place. He paid it all, leaving us nothing to pay for. He died, was buried. He rose from the grave. He says, if you believe If you trust in me that I paid for all your sin, I will give you as a free gift that very moment, everlasting life in heaven. Once you have it, you have it forever. He'll never lose you, he said. He'll never cast you out. Here in John chapter 1 and verse 11, it says this, he came unto his own. Now, I think the the primary reference there is to his own people, the Jewish people. But it really is all mankind, right? 
He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But, there's an exception. But, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that do what? Believe on his name. Jesus, God who is our Savior. When you put your faith in him, when you trust in him, you're believing he is God who will save you. And the moment you do, your sins are taken care of. The payment he made is good on your behalf, and he'll give you everlasting life. That's how much God loves you. Why would anybody hate somebody who loves so deeply? He's offering you eternal life as a gift today. This is the God of the Bible, and he proved how much he loved us by what he did for us. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.